What I'd like to show you is, is uh, uh, one of the uses that we make of, of the phonetic categories that, that we have. On the, on the chart here, uh, because of the font problem I have, uh, ignore these, the symbols for the dental fricatives. This is supposed to be a theta, so th as in thin, and this is supposed to be an ed as in then. <clears throat> so given those basic categories, labial, dental, velar. Dental is just, I'm using labial as shorthand for bilabial and labial dental. I'm using dental as a shorthand for interdental and alveolar. And then velar, I'm using the way we did on the chart that, uh, that I handed out. Look, <coughs> look at the English words father, three, and heart. And now compare it to the original Latin words for father, three, and heart. Pater, trace, and core with, uh, with the velar sound, voiceless velar sound, K. Now look at the original ancient Greek sound for, for uh, the three words. Uh, 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 the original ancient Greek word for the, uh, these three words, pat, pater, trace, and cardia. Now look at the uh, Sanskrit word for the first two of these. Sanskrit had a different word for heart. Uh, so it's, uh, it's pit followed by a vowel, which is, um, I think, pita or something. And uh, the word for uh, three begins with a tr. So look first at all the similarities. Uh, in, uh, summarize, ignoring English, Summarize the similarities of the of uh, summarize the, the similarities between the words in Latin, Greek, and Sanskrit. The initial consonant is is identical in all cases, and you can see other resemblances as well. All right, it's because of these resemblances that uh, uh, that scholars were able to establish the fact that Latin, Greek, and Sanskrit were all members of the same family, which we call Indo-European. We'll, we'll talk in more detail about the Indo-European group in, in a couple of weeks, but this, this is uh, very, very dramatic evidence of their close relationship. Now, let's take English and, and compare it to them. And what, what do we see? Uh, compare, compared to the P of the classical languages, we're getting an F in English. What change has that P undergone in order to become an F? Or let me ask the question a different way. What features have stayed the same? It's still a consonant. What else? It's, it's, okay, it's still articulated basically in the labial re region, but it's labiodental. And instead of being a stop, it's become a fricative. All right? So the sound retains its voicelessness. It's in a similar position in the mouth, but a stop becomes a fricative. P changes to F. All right? And when we look systematically at words from <coughs> Indo-European, 
we'll find that this correspondence is not just between those two words, but, but between uh, most, most of the words. Okay, it's very, very dramatic. Now let's look at the, the, the dental or alveolar series. Latin has a T, and the other languages have a T, but English has a th. What stays the same in English? It's still a consonant, still articulated, still articulated in a similar region of the mouth. It moves to interdental from alveolar. But what changes? The stop becomes a frequent. The same thing that happened with the labials happened with the alveolars. All right? And they, re they retain their voicelessness. Now look at the, the last example, the word for heart. <clears throat> Core begins with a voiceless velar stop. What do we expect? What would, based on the labial and alveolar examples, what would, you, what would we expect to happen with the, the last one, with, 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 the, with the voiceless velar uh, stop? What should that have changed to in English? It, it didn't. OK, but what should, what should, what should it have been? A, a voiceless velar fricative. Someone make, we, English doesn't have one. Someone make a, anyone who speaks German should have no problem. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, and what's the closest that we can come to that in English? An H. All right. So uh, uh, the, uh, uh, it, it's interesting that for these, uh, these major articulatory positions, really, really capture the basic positions of consonants, the correspondences in English uh, between English and the Indo-European languages are very, very easy to describe. All right. So uh, phonetics helps us to see the similarities and differences uh, between these sounds. All right. Now, does this happen across the board? I mean, yeah. all of them. Yeah. Was there ever yeah. a key that would be changed? <clears throat> uh, uh, nothing in language happens across the board. Yeah. <laughs> totally. But yeah, it. Uh, it, it happened very, very regularly. Uh, what, what actually happened is much more complicated than this little chart shows. Uh, so for, uh, what, what happened is that within Indo-European, there were uh, separate groups. There was the group that Latin belonged to, which is uh, 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 one group. There's the group that Greek belonged to, which is a, a separate group. The group that Sanskrit belonged to, all right? And, <clears throat> and so, and each, 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 each of those languages has its own descendants, all right? So from, from ancient Greek, we have modern Greek. From, from classical Latin, we have the Romance languages, French, Italian, Spanish, and so on. A fourth group within Indo-European was Germanic. And so all the Germanic languages are, are related, more closely related to each other than they are to Latin, Greek, and Sanskrit. But ultimately, they all go back to the same family. Uh, in, order to, in order to discuss these correspondences correctly, we really have to, we have to talk about the correspondence between the ancestor of Latin, or, or, so between classical Latin, the correspondence between that and Greek, uh, Sanskrit, and Germanic, all right? Um, but yeah, the, the changes were really quite regular, and we'll uh, we'll see them in more detail uh, uh, in a couple of weeks. <clears throat> I think there's one more slide here. Yeah, here's uh, 
Here's just one more set of examples. <clears throat> uh, in, in Latin, the word for 10 is decem. Greek, deca. Sanskrit, dasha. The missing consonant is a sh. <clears throat> they all begin with, how, do you, how would you describe a D? Give me the phonetic okay. characteristics of D. Voiced, alveolar, stop. In English, we have a T, where, the, where those ancient languages had a D. What stays the same? It's still an alveolar stop. What changes? Voice. The voicing. Now go back to, go to Latin, genus. Greek, oxygen, say gen. We have a voiced velar stop. In English, what do we get? We get a voiceless velar stop. All right, so uh, again, we see the, the, uh, the, the change is uh, uh, between, the, uh, the, between the alveolars and the velars is uh, the same change. The voice stop becomes voiceless, but it retains its, uh, its place of articulation, and it retains its uh, uh, position as a stop. <clears throat> you, can, uh, you can go on from here and, and discuss other correspondences, and we will see um, quite a few uh, 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 very soon in the course. I was looking for uh, a word uh, where, uh, that, uh, that I'd never encountered before, where it was possible to analyze it simply by uh, identifying the prefixes, roots, and suffixes um, without any changes in the basic forms of them. <clears throat> and in yesterday's New York Times, there's a quote from the co-CEO of uh, the firm that makes the, the Blackberries, who talked about carriers getting disintermediated. Okay. So it's easy to analyze this morphologically, disintermediated. What may be tougher is to figure out what he meant. Uh, <clears throat> any of you, have any of you encountered this word? You have. I, I remember reading this article. Oh, <laughs> okay, good, good. Um, I gave you a little bit of context. What do you think it means? They're negotiating with wireless carriers. Okay, BlackBerry is negotiating with them uh, to work together. A, a middleman becomes obsolete. Okay, good. So if, if they're intermediated, it means that there's some kind of process going on between them maybe through an intermediary. If they get disintermediated, it means that that process gets cut, cut off. Now, let's try to put that in plain English. The inter seems to be right? This, this seems to be implicit in mediation. At any rate, um, sometimes you'll encounter a word where you can simply uh, peel off the, the suffixes and prefixes, and you'll get the root, and you'll be able to see what the structure of the word is. But more typically, the prefix influences the pronunciation of the root, or vice versa. 
there will be changes, and sometimes the changes throw you off. So suppose that you didn't know the word ambiguous. You'd never encountered it before, but you know English morphology, and you know enough about English to know that O-U-S is a suffix. And also, do you see a familiar prefix there? Well, the prefix is what? Ambi, as in ambidextrous, right? It means both, right? But if ambi is a prefix and O-U-S is a suffix, then the root must be goo, and it's not, <laughs> all right? And th this is the typical experience. If you just go through the dictionary at random and, and try to pick out words and analyze them, that, uh, what just happened to us is typically what's going to happen to you. And that's because of the many changes that word elements undergo when they're put next to one another. So we need to know enough about morphology, not just to be able to identify the, uh, what's the prefix, what's the root, and what, what's the suffix, but, but actually we need to know how one element influences another. Give me a, a, a hypothesis about what's wrong with our analysis. Why did we end up with goo? What false assumption did we make? That nothing was inserted. Mm -hmm. Say it again. That nothing could be inserted to make it sound. Well, I mean, so we, we assume that they, we're, we're used to seeing ambi in its full form. But we have to take into account the fact that ambi sometimes shortens. Go ahead. I was just going to we assume that uh, you could make ambi, ambi OUS, but you can't. Okay. Well, that, no, that, that, that's true too, and that assumption led us to uh, the the incorrect uh, finding that that goo was the uh, was the root. But uh, let's take the prefix. Let's take the prefix ambi. Uh, one fact about the prefix that we need to know is that prefixes that end in vowels often lose that vowel when they appear before a root that begins with a vowel. When you get two vowels together, the language often tries to avoid it by losing one of the vowels. And so let's, let's postulate that there's a missing vowel here. The vowel got dropped out because the root began with the, with the vowel. All right? Well, fortunately, you, uh, you just took a quiz in which you encountered the root ig, which is an allomorph of what form? Egg, which means act. In fact, it's cognate with the English word act. That's where we got the word act from, is that root egg. And egg weakens to ig in certain cases, after a prefix, and when the g of egg is followed by a vowel. So exactly in that position, ag changes to ig. If we put ambi before ig, the final vowel, by a rule of allomorphy that, that we'll see in a, in a few slides, drops out. And, and just knowing that simple fact helps us to analyze the word correctly. All right? Yeah? There was an a. Um, there was an a. You said that there was an a. Did you? Did I? That there was a. a an a. 
Ah, the letter A. Yeah, the, well, the egg has, yeah, the, yeah, the root egg has an A. Okay. okay, but ambi ends in the vowel uh, E that we spell as an I. I, uh, I think we saw these earlier, so we'll run through this quickly. Um, among the changes in prefixes, we see that, that uh, combine, compose, contend, and condescend all contain uh, a prefix that can be glossed as with or together, but the form of the prefix changes. Tells, tell me what phonetic characteristic of the root in the words combine and compose causes N to change to M. Right. The, the roots bind and pose begin with a bilabial stop. And before a P or a B, an N will change to an M. That also happens before an M. So a bilabial nasal, if you have a root like mode, and put con before it, you get commode. You get the same assimilation. Uh, with im, meaning uh, not, the basic form is in. And once again, when you put in before uh, 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 form, uh, 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 before a bilabial stop, I couldn't find any, any good cases of, uh, I guess the closest I can come is imbalance of a root that begins with a B, imbalance. It's a little odd because it's a noun, and we expect after the prefix in meaning not to have uh, an adjective. But you see the same pattern here, all right? So this is an assimilation in place of articulation of the nasal consonant at the end of con and in. And in fact, any, any nasal that we get from Latin, we should expect to undergo, undergo this rule, because this, this was an allomorphy rule of classical Latin. When we, uh, when we borrowed those words from Latin or from French, we, we kind of got, we got the pattern along with those borrowings. And as a result, we have this rule, which in the book we call place assimilation of N. All right? Now look at these words and tell me what the pattern is. Frag is a root that means to break. You see it in fragile. In fact, the reason why I think that frag ending in a G is the basic form of it is, is that if there's no consonant after frag, as in fragile, a G shows up in the spelling rather than a C, so a voiced sound. So fragment and fraction both have the root Frag, meaning break. You can see how fraction is a breaking. And yet the pronunciation of the G changes. What, 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 what conditions that change? So the voice, yeah, the voicelessness is the following T. So this is another assimilation. It's an assimilation in voicing of the final consonant of the root to the, uh, the voicelessness of the ending. <coughs> With doctor and dogma, we see something similar. <clears throat> Here's another, uh, another case. <clears throat> Roots that end in N, so like con and in, 
uh, will become L before an L and R before an R. So although we spell and pronounce collude, collect, corrupt, and irradiate, really what, what's there where, the, uh, where you see a uh, letter in red is a result of assimilating the N of the basic form to the following constant of the root. All right? Uh, okay, here's some more examples. Uh, these are out of order. So th this, is the, this is the rule that, uh, that, that talks about the, the assimilation of the, uh, the, uh, the, the consonant in voicing to the following sound. All right, look at all these words and tell me what the prefix is. They all begin with the letter A, and then after that we get in spelling a double letter. And the reason the letter is double is because the, the, first, the first half of the double letter uh, refers to the final prefix consonant that used to be there. What is the prefix? If you, get, if you get the answer right for one of them, you get it right for all. F, A, D. All right. So um, we have uh, a ledge is add plus L-E-G, a root L-E-G. That means, uh, I think, to, uh, to collect or to, it's a form of log to say. Uh, arrogant, I don't think we've seen rogue yet, but it means to ask. Um, so arrogant is asking to someone, okay, being too forward. Annotate, to add notes to a text. Abbreviate, to bring something to the state of brevity. Apply, apply, I think we saw in this lesson, is to fold. So it's to fold something uh, onto something. Uh, effect, add plus fact. Fact is an allomorph of what morphine? What's the root that goes on the Fact. And uh, uh, we'll talk about the change of fact to fact. We, we talked about that in an earlier class. We'll see it again today. Aggressive, add plus gress, where gress means go. Access, add plus cess, which where cess is yield or something. Add plus deuce, and, and so on. All right? How about in these words? Occlude, occasion. So occlude and occasion have the same prefix. It is the prefix that we get in obstruct. Op, O-B, means against. Occlude is a, 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 a closure. Okay, uh, of one thing against another. Occasion, such a, such a familiar word. What's the C-A-S in occasion? It's an, it's an allomorph, fall, good. It's an allomorph of the root fall, C-A-D, that you get in cadence. So an occasion literally means something that falls against something, all right? It's sort of, I guess you, you uh, the, the image, I, I, it, it's very hard to, maybe you, maybe you can imagine a, a, a better picture. I get, I get a picture of events sort of just 
uh, falling on, you know, on top of one another, falling against one another. <clears throat> succeed and suggest have the same prefix. What is that? It's the prefix of subordinate, S-U-B. So succeed is, uh, and here it's hard to get, it's hard to get a, a, a good picture. <clears throat> uh, seed is our, our regular root seed to yield, and sub means under. <clears throat> if, uh, if, if I spell seed phonetically, it will be spelled S-I-D. The, S, the I spells E, and so seed looks like S-I-D. If, if, um, if we said that the prefix assimilates to the following sound, why don't I get secede the way I get occlude, okay, the ob, the ob changes to a copy of the following consonant, the, uh, in occasion, same. Why, uh, why am I getting a K from the B in succeed? So succeed is something like succeed, like this. Why am I getting a K before an S instead of an S? Because it already exists. Uh, I can't Because it already exists. Because there aren't any? No, I was going to say it already exists. Succeed okay, yes. Yes, because, right, this rule applied in Latin, and Latin didn't say seed the way we do. Okay, this is our fault. We messed it up. We changed the pronunciation of K to an S. But the way Latin said the, the root was keyed with a hard K. And so the, the assimilation is from B to the Latin K, and so that assimilation happens. But after that assimilation took place, English went and changed the, the pronunciation to an S. It actually happened in French. French, French did that, and then we, uh, we, we got it that way. All right, but do, do you, all see, you all see the regularity there? And do you see what obscures the regularity? And so uh, it, uh, it, it, you'll be surprised to find that if in doing uh, etymologies in 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 uh, in uncovering the structure of words, it is helpful if the root comes from Latin to reconstruct the Latin form. And to do that, it, it sounds like a big deal. It sounds like you have to learn a whole language. But in fact, on uh, on an early page of chapter six in the text, we give you the spelling rules of Latin, and we tell you that essentially. The letters of Latin were, were pronounced in much the way they are in English, with a couple of exceptions. And one of, one of, one of the exceptions is K, which is pronounced in English as a S sound before certain vowels. And another exception is a G, uh, uh, which is in Latin was pronounced G as a hard G, <coughs> but which we, before the vowels I and E, uh, sometimes pronounced as uh, ja. So with suggest, <coughs> let's, uh, let, let's look at this as a Latin form. So I'm going to write the G of just as a hard G. We do the assimilation of B to G, 
And now we change the, D, the, the pronunciation of the G to J, and we get suggest. Right. Suggest is, is, isn't as hard to deal with because our spelling system preserves the Latin G. We just change the pronunciation. With, with seed, we change not only the pronunciation, we also change the spelling. And so that's, that's why you get uh, what you get there. <clears throat> so the, uh, the <clears throat> generalization for the forms that we just saw is you have assimilation in place between the final consonants of ad, ob, and sub to the following consonant, where the following consonant is the, the form that the consonant had in Latin. <clears throat> All right, we'll, uh, we'll run through uh, a number of these rules and, uh, and, and then we'll, uh, uh, we'll take a little break. But uh, before we see any more rules, let's, let's uh, figure out what the prefix, root, and suffix is in, in these words. So syllogism, log is easy to identify. And so the prefix is what? Sin. N changes to L before L. Sin, S-Y-N, is a Greek prefix. How can we, how can we tell that? It's got a Y in it. Okay, Latin, Latin didn't use a Y in spelling. <clears throat> and, uh, okay, uh, annex has the prefix ad. The D, D assimilates in N. Comment has the prefix con. Accord has the prefix ed. The root chord means what? Chord? Uh, th think of it as core, C-O-R, or think of it as card as in electrocardiogram. <laughs> heart. Chord is heart. And so uh, an accord is something that goes to the heart. Suppress, prefix, sub, all right? It's very, very, very regular. Mm. Okay, there's another phenomenon called S deletion. This really happened. Um, so judicious underwent S deletion, and if you can restore the S to the proper place, you'll be able to figure out what the, what the meaning of the word is is supposed to be. J-U, yeah, J-U by itself is not, it's an allomorph of the, of the root juice, J-U-S, which means it's the root that we get in jury, it's the root that we get in justice or jury. So judicious is speaking justice. Binary is missing an S. This, this is the full form of the Latin numeral two. So bisnary loses the S. Diligent has an S missing. Dis. Okay, so dis means away or not. And lig means uh, to, to be, to tie or to be tied to. So, huh? Diligent? I, I, don't, I don't get a clear picture there. Uh, take uh, divulge. This, again, uh, has lost the S. Uh, and so uh, 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 
It means, oh, okay, I see. Uh, it, uh, this doesn't mean um, a way, it means, uh, how, say, okay, yeah, spread, yeah spreading, spread, yeah, spreading around. And so diligent would be, um, uh, <laughs> uh, so this doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Divulge means to, uh, to let the crowd uh, in on, on something. <clears throat> and this, this is a, a regular pattern. Now let's, uh, let's uh, look for another rule. What's the missing consonant in evoke? Uh, yeah, X. So X is the prefix in evoke. So to call out. Emit, to send out. Ascribe, add scribe, okay, to write to. Suspicious or sus sus suspect. Again? Okay, it's missing. Uh, it's missing, yes. All right, so it's missing this. This B should have uh, changed to an S by the assimilation rule that we talked about earlier for succeed and suggest. And what happens is that with the two S's here, one of, one of them drops out until you get suspicious. Traverse, trans, it's actually missing two constants. Ignore, you, I don't know if you, uh, if you realize that ignore has a prefix, but it's a, very, it's a prefix that we saw earlier. In, I-N, in, the G-N-O refers to knowing. Okay, so to make as, make as if you don't know something, and so the N drops out, Cognate had a prefix, but it's missing a consonant, C-O-N, okay? So cognate is born, so gen, con, together with. Something, uh, cognates are uh, words or other objects that have the same origin. The root torture, the root in torture is missing a consonant. There's uh, a morphine that means to twist, that we get in the word torque, T-O-R-Q-U-E. That is the root in torture, all right? That's the image. And so before T, we're, we're losing the, the, that velar consonant of torque. And in fulminate, so fulminate means to sort of rage, all right? Uh, the, uh, the root, fulg, F-U-L-G, means a storm or lightning or, or something, something like that. So in all these cases, what, what we see is, is that we're, we're losing consonants. Um, here's another pattern. Executive, expire, and execrable are all missing the same consonant from the same position. We know that the prefix must be X, E-K-S. What is the root? So English doesn't have a root, E-C-U, -E doesn't have a root, pyre, 
except for a funeral pyre, and that's spelled differently, isn't it? And we don't have a root ecra, E-C-R. That, that, that vowel initial thing begins with a consonant, and that consonant has been lost here. What is that consonant? S. S. So ec executive is really X-E-K-S, written phonetically, secutive. Secu means to follow. And uh, all right, expire, the root is spire. Spire means breathe. Execrable, restore the S to the root and you get S-E-C-R, which is an allomorph of sacred. So something that is away from sacred. All right. How much more of this can you take? Uh, let, in fact, uh, that, that, that was a serious question. Uh, uh, let's finish consonants. <laughs> let's finish consonants, and then uh, uh, we'll take a quick break and 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 come back and and do some vowel patterns. <clears throat> All right, root final D in elude, comprehend, and intrude. In the in the text, we show how a series of small changes could lead to the change that you see here. D changes to uh, what we write as an S and what we pronounce as an S incomprehensible <clears throat> and pronounce as an S in elusive. But because the S spelled in intrusion is followed by I-O-N, there's, there's another pronunciation rule that comes to effect and causes us to say, N not S, but J, intrusion. The root is replaced D with S before certain endings, including I, V, E, I, O, N, and I, I B, L, E. Uh, and this, this is very, very regular in the language. I think that's the last consonant change. Well, okay, uh, <laughs> bear with me. Let's, let's uh, do this one more example and then we'll take, take a break. In redundant sedition and prodigy, for, uh, 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 in redundant, what's the root? The, the prefix is re. What's the root? It's not dund. Und, as in undulate. Redundant is something, it's, it's like a wave coming back. Uh, it's okay, it's, it's, it's doubling back on you. Sedition has the prefix se, which means apart, as, uh, as in separate. Uh, but the root is not dit. It is it, I-T. It means to go. So sedition is uh, a going away. Prodigy has our famous root ig, which you'll probably never miss again, having seen it in three different words, has the, the, uh, the word ig, so meaning to act, but the prefix is pro. So in all these cases, what's happening is the prefix is acquiring an extra consonant before a root that begins with a vowel. Okay, uh, we see that languages uh, like, like this language and, and many languages like to put 
consonants next to vowels, vowels next to consonants. If you get uh, two vowels next to one another, there'll be uh, uh, some pressure to delete it. That will not always work, but there'll be some pressure to delete it. When you, uh, uh, if you don't delete uh, one of the vowels, the other way to repair the, 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 the situation is to insert a consonant. And that's what we do in, in these cases. And this is, this is what Latin did. So uh, the, uh, uh, at the end of these Latinate prefixes, we add a D before a vowel. Okay, uh, let's take a, a five minute break and, uh, and uh, catch our breath and come back. This, uh, there are only a few words where we, where we see S and R alternating. Uh, S and R are not very similar sounds. S is uh, fricative, R is a liquid. There, uh, in, 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 in Latin, they were probably more similar than they are in English because the uh, English R is so vowel-like. But at any rate, uh, there are uh, a few forms where you can see S changing to R when that R is before a vowel. So in justice and rustic, the S is before a T, but if you take that T away and have a vowel after it, you get those changes. Rhoticism is, uh, is a, a process you, you'll see in many languages, and in fact, in, uh, in, in English, there are some, some relics of rhoticism that happened in the Germanic family. So going back to our old English days, um, we, uh, we have forms in the present language that go back to uh, a case where uh, uh, you, you can see a relationship between the, the, uh, the, the, the sound that we pronounce Z in modern English and the sound R. So sneeze and snore are actually related, and raise and rear are, are related. <clears throat> So that's, uh, those are the major consonant changes that, uh, that you'll, you'll see. Now let's, uh, let's, let's look at vowel changes. <clears throat> so in cathode and category, cathode and category still, they have the same prefix. <clears throat> what is the root in cathode? If you know the root in anode, that helps. It's H-O-D, that mean, it means a road. The O-D of odometer is another, uh, a, another instance of, of that, that root. Uh, in category, the root is our famous ig, okay, the allomorph of ag. And the root is what? C-A-T and a vowel. All right, notice that uh, ode begins with an O, and egg begins with an E. It's an allomorph of egg as well as ig is. And so we lose the vowel of the, the prefix. Prefix is C-A-T-A, as in catastrophe or cataclysm. <clears throat> Antacid and antagonize have the same prefix. What is it? Anti, meaning against. Anode 
has, uh, anode has a vowel at the end of its prefix and it's lost. Anna. Aphelion, the pH, even though we pronounce it as one letter, at least I think we do, I don't know, um, but we spell two letters pH. Uh, uh, what's the root in aphelion? Helion, referring to the sun. So the prefix looks like ap, it lost a vowel. What's the, what's the vowel? O, as in apology. Apo means from. Okay, so when, uh, uh, when uh, the, the planet is away from the sun. So uh, there we're losing a vowel at the end of a prefix when the root begins with a vowel. Now let's look at some roots before suffixes that begin with a vowel. So pianist is missing the O of the root word, piano, and San Franciscan is missing the O before it. And it, so it really is the same pattern. When we've got two vowels coming together, uh, one of the things that they do to uh, uh, is one eliminates the other. All right. <clears throat> uh, another pattern which uh, which we talked about uh, back when uh, when we talked about irregular allomorphy is is this is vowel weakening. So the basic forms of the root that uh, are uh, easy for us to recognize: sac, cap, and grad, as in or grad the <clears throat> the vowel changes in gradient because of vowel shift. The, um, this vowel weakens to the sound eh when it's in a less salient position, remember? So when I put a prefix before these roots, like the prefix d, re, in, or e from x, now the root is in second position and the root will uh, weaken its vowel. And so the eh becomes eh. And remember what we said, uh, we call it weakening because the mouth is, is wider, uh, is open wider for eh than for eh. So the amount of energy that comes out, the amount of intensity that the vowel has is less for the sound eh than for eh. Mm. So uh, this tells us that when we, when we see the letter E in a root, um, we, and we don't immediately recognize what that root is, we should ask ourselves, well, could that E be, uh, 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 have changed from another vowel? If, the, if that letter E in the root is in, in second position after a prefix, there's a good chance that the, the vowel is at. <clears throat> Not always because we have a form like elect, where the basic form of the root is lect, or leg, L-E-G, which uh, we glossed as to choose. It's the same root as in select. Um, and then we also, also noted that this, even this, this sound, eh, or uh, in receptive or defect, is uh, is, can be weakened further, so it can become the, the thinnest, highest vowel if we make the position even 
less salient if we make it weaker by uh, removing, uh, uh, removing uh, a consonant. So uh, a receptive has two consonants after the, the root vowel. The corresponding form recipient has only one consonant after it. And so that makes the, the syllable that recipient is in uh, lighter and, and so uh, more accommodating to uh, a smaller vowel. Same with deficient. With ingredient, uh, we don't have two consonants after greed, as we do in the other cases, defect, recept, and elect. We don't have to, but we do, what we do have is, because of its position, the E has become a tense vowel, and the tense vowel is not subject to the, the, uh, the, the further weakening. So we don't get ingredient. And uh, uh, for, from elect, given that the root is leg, L-E-G, it weakens when we take away one of its consonants. And taking away the consonant T means that the G of the root stays the same. It doesn't change to uh, uh, a K sound, as in elect, and so we get eligible. But at this point, let's just work through a little derivation of elect and eligible. See if everybody can see this. So let's spell out all of the morphemes in elect. We have the prefix is what? X. Okay, and then leg, and for eligible, we'll have X and leg and ible. Okay. Mm. Now, uh, what, uh, what, 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 happens what happens here is there's a, 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 a substitution of, of the form, uh, of a new form. We get, we get a form of the root that ends with, we get a form of the root leg that, that ends in T, and that T, uh, the, the addition of this T, is, I can't give you a rule for that. It's just not, it's not regular. It comes, it comes from a different part of the Latin verb. When we see Latin, uh, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll show you which part. Uh, but that, that part ends in a T, which is a voiceless stop, and that causes the G before it to go to a K. <clears throat> With elect, we lose the KS of the prefix E, and so it becomes elect. With eligible, the X loses the same vowel, and leg is in a uh, syllable that is followed by just one consonant. There's a vowel after that consonant, and so leg undergoes weakening to I. So uh, the, the different changes that we talked about today, all added all together, help to explain how, how these forms in which the roots look so different, so leg versus leg, are closely related to one another.
Um, let's do, um, uh, let's look at L coloring. So when, when we have an L after uh, the, the vowel E or O, so compel colony, adolescent. Uh, the, that vowel before L will change to the sound ah, which would spell as a U, when there are two consonants after it. So compel, colony, adolescent, all have L followed by a vowel or followed by nothing. But in compulsive cultivate an adult, that's the, the, the vowel is followed by two consonants. And in that case, the, uh, the L exerts an influence on the vowel. It pulls back the, the pronunciation of the vowel. And so uh, the, the, the vowel eh, uh, be, uh, and, uh, 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 becomes ah. Uh. The vowel o in, uh, in colony and adolescence also become ah. Uh. Mm. All right, and uh, this, this is the last example here. Uh, identify the root in the case, uh, identify the root in all six words. And uh, uh, write, write your answers down. And I'll give you a hint, there are two different roots. And, <laughs> um, but only two. We have, we have the alamorphs tent, tin, tain, ten, tend, and tense. But these alamorphs correspond to two different roots only. And the question, the question is, what are the roots? There, there are two ways to do this exercise. One is to have memorized all the variant forms of the roots that are in the text. And the other way is try to guess what the root is when you know that there are just two from the meaning. Um, what, what two roots have the, uh, the, the, have the allomorph 10 in the sort of, what two verb roots? Anybody know? So it's like te te in ten. Go ahead. Oh, I said in English. Huh? Ten makes me think of ten air in okay, Spanish. Okay, so but. so like uh, there's a root in in tenant that means hold or tenure, tenable. Okay, that's not a tenable position. You can't hold or maintain that position. And then there's another root ten. That means thin or stretched. And in fact, the thin, which in English it begins with a fricative, thin, it actually comes from this Latin root, the T in ten. And then this one, this is the one that we get in things that, that mean pulled or stretched. So things like tenuous. So, uh, the, uh, the ones on the board in orange come from the root 10 that means thin.
Tenuous, you can see the connection. Tender, okay, if, some, if something's pulled, stretched, it gets tender. And if you're tense, again, you can't, you're just being, you're, you're being pulled. When, uh, uh, look at content. Content is about the capacity of, of something being held within something. Continent, again, being contained and contain itself. So uh, uh, one, uh, 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 some of our roots are very, very similar. And uh, 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 here, here's a case where that's true. And it's good to, it's really good to pay attention to the different allomorphs that the, that the roots have. 